yes, yes, yes. Well, well, good morning, Lucinda. How are you? Good morning, my darling. I'm fine. How are you? I'm so much better now that I'm speaking with you. <laughs> it is, is truly a moment that I look forward to. Okay, what are we tackling today then? Well, I tell you what, I've been kind of fiddling with the name and the approach of the podcast here. So I've got a little prepared statement I'm going to read and see if it doesn't get our listeners off on the right path. Okay. Okay. So I would like to welcome our listeners to the Tree of Truth podcast with Lidstone and Lambeau. In this podcast, we provide psychotherapy to the world in search of first common sense truth from a heightened human consciousness perspective. Okay, today we're going to examine three aspects of human life. First, mental health. Second, the use of drugs to sustain our mental health. And finally, the impact of music on our mental health. Does that work for you? Beautiful, yeah. All right. My pen name is Matt Lambeau. I'm a human consciousness researcher and author. You can find this podcast and anything else about Lucinda and me on treeoftruth.org. That's treeoftruth.org. Okay. Now with me is, of course, the lovable Lucinda Lidstone. <laughs> uh, she's a trained psychotherapist practicing in England. And if I have my way, she will become the therapist to the world. Um, so welcome, Lucinda. Okay, to start, can you please give our listeners uh, an introduction about you, your experience, and most importantly, what drives you to help people like me with psychotherapy? Oh, gosh. You got uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been, I've been practicing for nearly 20 years now. Um, what drives me? Um, just, just wanting to help with human suffering in wh whatever way I can. Um, that's what drives me. What was the other part of your question? Yeah, no, that's it. For the most part, you know, yeah. again, your background and you're in England. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, I love this east-west connection. Lucinda is in the eastern hemisphere. I'm in the western hemisphere. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and and those types yeah. of things. Yeah. So I'm in the, the southeast um, of England, about three quarters of an hour by train from London. Um, I think this is supposed to be the driest part of the UK. Okay. Yeah. So All right. And so is it desert-like conditions or not that dry? No, 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 no. We just, we just get, we don't get a lot of rainfall. Okay. And you're born and raised in that area? I am. Yeah. I, I live a stone's throw from where I was born and I've lived in this corner of the world all my life. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty urban area, really. Um, and I don't really know why I still live in this area because I'd love to live in the countryside. I've had that desire all of my life and never quite got there. Okay. So, well, yeah. you're just a young pup. You got a lot of living <laughs> to do. If only. <laughs> if only. A lot of living to do. Yeah. All right. Well, wonderful. And I've known Lucinda, I don't know, maybe a year or so. We've, uh, I don't know how long it's been, but it has truly been a pleasure to have you be part of my life. Very yeah, fun. we did. We did. We did ten chats with Matt, didn't we, on my podcast, which we was did. based on on your tree of life, life and your and your book. So that's mm -hmm. how we first met. Yeah. Yep, and we'll have to dig those old archives out at some point because yeah, I believe yeah. we thought we covered some pretty cool ground. I think we did. Yeah, yeah it was neat did. stuff. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, let's launch into this episode here. Um, what is mental health? Okay. And why, why is it that so many people need it? What happens in our lives that goes awry that causes us to come seeking uh, understanding in terms of mental health? Yeah. Well, I think we have our physical health that we know we all need to pay attention to. If we want our bodies to have longevity, we know we need to address our physical health and our mental health is the same. We need to practice clean thoughts, exercise our mind in a healthy way and, and look after ourselves. And I think there's many factors that will challenge that in our lives, not least toxins from the environment. You know, what we eat, what we drink, what they're spraying in the skies, um, the things that make us stressed. You know, we live in a state of fear, don't we? The propaganda's pumped out to ensure that we live in a state of fear. And when we're in a state of fear, all we're concerned about is our survival. And so we're really probably thinking hour to hour, day to day. And we then haven't got the capacity for higher thought, critical thinking, so I think it's all designed, this mental health crisis. I think it, it's designed. It's designed for us to be that way so that we don't question much. Got it. Got it. So uh, the forces that be, the powers the, the powers that be on this planet, you believe it's by design to some degree because they're trying to condition our mind to think a certain way and our mind is trying to escape that? Or yeah. we find we, we become uh, confined by it and it causes anxiety. Yes. Uh, and I think, you know, human beings have always adapted to their environment. And I think our environment has changed exponentially, hasn't it? In a very short space of time, how we live, how we communicate. You know, it's great to, to meet you across the screen, but it's a very artificial way of relating. Um, so I just think our, our minds and our bodies just have not, cannot, cannot possibly evolve quick, quick enough for the way society and just the way our modern lives are, you know, we don't, and it's, it's all relatively new technology, isn't it? Within, within half a lifespan. So we can't possibly know the long-term effects of living with, this technology, AMFs, et cetera, we, we don't know the long-term impact of that. And I think the more we live in a virtual world, which is very seductive, of course, isn't it? You know, um, the more we live in that world, the more disconnected we become from our natural environment. And I just, and we forget that we are nature, you know, and, and I think um, that's to our detriment. Right. Right. Um, Yes. Yeah, so, uh, all right. The next question is, uh, uh, so it seems when it comes to this type of, of the need for this type of therapy, it's age indiscriminate because yes. I find it perplexing that I can be at this point in my life and still be searching for these answers. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess is, I guess, what do we think human life is about? What do we think what do we think the purpose of human life is? Surely it is to question and grow. And the way we grow is to face challenges. And I think I think maybe if you were in, in therapy, you'd probably use it in a different way 
from somebody who's very young you know I, I think there are different I think perhaps that's what's not understood about psychotherapy is that you can use it in so many different ways and some people some adults that have that have been coming to see me for a, perhaps a long time over years they tend to use it more like perhaps other people might go to church or something like that to to look at their spiritual growth or for for personal growth it's not it, people use therapy in a, in a different way but really all I'm doing as a as a therapist is reflecting you back to you I think it's it's misunderstood people that think that they come to us for answers but it's not it's not my role to advise necessarily or give answers it's to help you the individual discover what's right for you right right how do you distinguish between somebody complaining and somebody explaining their plight yeah that's a really good question because I think sometimes as a therapist, especially in the early days of your career and your training, you think that you've got to be endlessly compassionate to people, no matter what. Um, but for some people, there comes a point when that's no longer useful. You know, if somebody's been seeing you for three years and they're absolutely no further on from where they were and they're still moaning about or or... I don't know, berating the same people that have upset them. You know, they're going over and over and over it. Where's the growth in that? Where's where's the acceptance? Where's the moving on from that? And there's no doubt about it. Some people are really stuck or just don't want to give up that, that victim position, perhaps because of resentment, or they feel that they've never been heard by whoever it is they want to be heard by. So, so I think compassion and insight are valuable and necessary but eventually the only way things change is by us changing our our actions isn't it you know eventually you have to do something different or be something different in the world right right and so i understand because in some cases their plight becomes their identity yes yes absolutely like, right particularly like, i mean you'll you'll understand this from your history particularly if you've got an addiction or an, or an ongoing issue like an eating disorder, that begins to define who you are. And mm -hmm. there's some fear about who will I be without this, you know, right. or, or if I let go of this, there'll be a gaping hole and I, and I don't know what I'm going to fill it with. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Right. And now um, the, uh, uh, are some plights inescapable? Yeah. Yeah, of course they are. You know, okay. you, you know, like grief. You know, right. the the only way to deal with grief is is to move through that. And there's been a lot said about stages of grief that people mm -hmm. go through. But I think everybody's grief, for example, is different. And I know with the different people that I've lost, you know, I agree. I've grieved for for them all in a very different way. So I think grief and loss. Uh, inescapable um i think the, the more deeply you know if we if we if we're in relationship with somebody to any depth then necessarily with that comes the fear of the loss of that you they're like right. two sides of the same coin you can't be attached without the the fear or of loss and if loss happens that terrible grief so you know and also just general lives challenges you know if you're 
if you're abused or you're in poverty, you lose your home. Some of those things are inescapable, aren't they? Right. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, certainly uh, circumstances can dictate uh, kind of a, a prison scenario for somebody yeah. where they get there. It's inescapable. Um, yeah. Is the answer like in its simplest sense, does it always whittle down to just pure acceptance? Like, uh, I understand we want to make changes and, you know, we can't keep doing the same thing. But when all is said and done, is the cause of of depression and anxiety just a case of a failure to accept life on life's terms? To some degree, to some degree, I, I think depression and anxiety are very different, very different demons, actually. Um, I think depression sometimes can be unexpressed emotion unexpressed anger or unexpressed resentment um and and of course hopelessness or perhaps a deep sense of of being unfulfilled um i i think i think we are complex by nature by design aren't we as human beings and i think it's easy to sort of to kind of reduce these things to one or two ideas and actually they're very complex and I, you know in any in any presentation I could have 10 people with depression and whilst there'll be key factors that are, that are similar of course but each person is an individual so I think you have to understand why this depression has has occurred um and anxiety I think is is something different it's it, it's a very different energy Often anxiety um, lives in you because perhaps two parts of you are fighting each other. But ultimately, if something, if you cannot change something or something has happened in the past, you have to go through the process of that. But eventually, of course, you have to arrive at that place of acceptance. Otherwise, you're never going to move on but but talking about acceptance and perhaps forgiveness that has to happen at the right time doesn't it because mm. you know too soon if you say to somebody well you've just got to accept that and move on that can seem very callous um but ultimately i think their acceptance and forgiveness is a work in progress it's a work in progress and i guess from my point of view the only point of suffering is to learn from it and grow from it otherwise what else do you do what else do you do with it mm -hmm. um do you believe uh i used to believe that the natural state of the conscious soul was one of joy okay i'm not sure i believe that anymore I believe that the natural state of the conscious soul, and again, I don't, this is just surmising. I have no evidence to back this up. But what I've learned more recently, witnessing what happens in my children's lives, my friends' lives, most importantly, my life, is the natural state of the conscious soul is one of anxiousness. And we have to use drugs or therapy or something to help us find the joy. Do you believe that's an accurate assessment at all? I believe that's an, a, a, an accurate assessment of the state of being that people are in. I, I don't I, I don't wish to think that that is um, 
this the state of one's conscious soul because i think anxiety all of those feeling sensations only live through the body are only to do with the physical plane right the human manifestations yes yes i and i think even the physical body everything is supposed to be in balance isn't it you know and 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 our physical being yes things come out of balance but all the while whatever it is the body is working to keep things in balance and i think anxiety has arisen for so many reasons for all the reasons we've just spoken about um so i think you're accurate in that when we look around us lots of us are living in a state of anxiety i don't see how anybody could deny that but i don't think that's the natural expression of the soul i think that that is a result of the modern day environment okay and and truly unfortunate you know uh because uh uh, life itself can be troubling. And if you add anxiousness to, you know, the lion's share of your, your waking existence, that tends to wear heavily, heavily, yeah. heavily. Um, the, uh, let me take a quick peek at my notes here. Um, loneliness. Loneliness. What percentage loneliness? What what percentage of people do you believe are more prone to need therapy uh, because they have no emotional intimacy? Oh gosh, yes, a lot, a lot. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. If I I don't work with couples, my my partner does, but if somebody sat in front of me might be somebody of a similar age to you and I, and they'll be talking about their relationships. And I'll say, well, have you ever talked about this? And they'll say, no. And they've been together 25, 35 years. And I think, what sort of conversations are you having? You know, and and you're being sexually intimate, maybe, but not emotionally intimate. Um, And certainly for young people, you know, this idea, my son's an example, they've got good friends online, and they will, my son will argue to the death that those friends online are as just as important, and they're just as valuable relationships as friends in the flesh. Um, But, you know, part of being emotionally intimate, being with another soul is feeling their energy next to you, seeing the whole of their body and how they express themselves and how their body communicates, you know, each other's smell. You know, we don't talk about that, but the smell of, you know, you know how someone smells, don't you? So, so I think, I think absolutely there is a lack of, of intimacy. And yet with social media, we know all about the, the private aspects of our lives, don't we? We share all of them. Um, so we probably know more about each other than perhaps we did back in the day, but yeah, emotional intimacy. Mm, no, I don't, I don't see a lot of it going on, sadly. Right. Right. And, uh, could it be, I mean, in an oversimplified observation, we just need a hug. There's just so many people out there that simply need a hug. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, well, all sorts of things happen in your in your body and your brain, don't they? When you hug, you know, all sorts of endorphins kick off. Absolutely, um, you know, activate certain neurotransmitters. It just feels good, you know. But 
But nowadays we're all frightened, aren't we? Mustn't touch in case somebody accuses us of something awful. Um, Yeah. 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 And uh, yes, I couldn't agree more with the energy that happens in a good hug. Yeah. You know, it, it, wh- whoever it might be, just because you're in this positive frequency and you instantly transfer that energy into the next person. Yeah. Okay. And without that type of emotional intimacy, you know, again, I just believe there's a lot of people that are really alone, really alone, yeah. haven't had a hug in years, that type yeah. of thing. Yes. yes and, right. and, and this journey on this planet is probably just one by yourself. I mean, again, I could I could have all the love and the family around me, but it's still when I whittle it down, seems like, listen, it's a personal journey with me and the creator. When For all sure. said, For sure. Yeah. And that journey alone, without emotional intimacy from other human beings, is uh, it wears on you. It's just, it, it leads straight to depression, I think. It leads to anxiety. And yeah, you know, just in its simplest sense, that seems to be what the world's missing is a good hug. Yeah, well, even in the most basic sense, you, you see animals in zoos and places like that that are used to being amongst a group or amongst a pack. And if they're isolated and on their own, you, you'll see how distressed they get. Well, right. We're animals, aren't we? We're pack animals. Yeah. And it's interesting. Go ahead. If you live in a small community, in a small village, maybe, in a rural setting, you're probably more likely to know who your neighbours are and talk to them, pass the time of day, et cetera. Then if you live in a metropolis, you know, with people everywhere, you tend to become more closed off and isolated. And I find that... Um, I find that really strange. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Seems like a small town. We're walking around hugging each other. But so that also kind of leads into like uh, the innate nature of the human being. Okay. Because I've found recently that, again, in my world, we're, we all have our own paradigm of this energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, I'm perceiving it. It doesn't matter how, who knows me or what be it. They're never going to see it from my perspective, which is fine. Yes. But it just seems like instead of a cooperative nature in terms of let's merge paradigms and find common ground, the the natural instinct of the human being is to compete, to compete for the paradigm, you know, and that creates the isolation that that uh, uh, it just seems like even some of your best friends or family members, as opposed to, to handing out hugs, we're competing with one another for our own perception of this world. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, that's another really interesting thing to think about. I think, I think as humans, we've got our instinctive nature and our instinctive nature wants a hierarchy like animals do. They want to know who's top dog, who's the alpha, you know, who to follow. Um, and then you'll get two alphas competing, as as you said. So mm-hmm. I think our instincts, our dri- our animal drives, certainly are competitive. But what makes us human is our awareness, is our consciousness, and our awareness that we are conscious. And with that, we can our work is to rise above those natural instincts, isn't it? You know, because really the universe is is abundant 
and you know the amount of love we can have for each other for our families for our friends that that's a never-ending pot isn't it Mm -hmm. but it starts way back in childhood you know maybe thinking that your sibling was given more love or more attention than you you know and so that's where things begin so I think yes our instinctive nature is competitive but I think we need to we need to rise above that because there's enough for everybody really isn't there Yes. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's uh, just human nature that says I need to fight for mine. Now, again, a lot of it's probably survival, you know, yeah. uh, just just saying I want to I want to fight for my slice of the pie just because I needed to sustain. Um, and this this conversation about about hugs and love is uh, one of the things I found the most compelling about near death experiences. And mm-hmm. that is uh some of the 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 testimonials that i saw there were super super selfish you know pricks on this planet and then once they had this experience they came back and it wasn't the testimony it was the transformation in their lives yeah they went from yes. this selfish person completely fighting and competing for their own paradigm to someone of unconditional jesus like love and you can't transform a human's mind along those lines to where the behavioral patterns change, not just the the semantics, without it being real, without it yeah. being yeah. And so that's that's uh, compelling to me because again, I've got kind of a theory that we wouldn't have darkness if the planet wasn't submerged in hell in some form or this or that. And the fact that they have these momentarily glimpses of what true unconditional love feels like, and they bring that right back down to this existence is, uh, you know, it's, it's again, when we're talking depression and, and uh, mental disorders, you know, suicide comes to mind. And I guess I'm surprised more people don't take themselves deep knowing the blissful state that awaits them. I just have nothing but respect for people who can climb into their 70s and 80s and 90s and just sustain on this planet with its loneliness and its obstacles and all these different things. Again, I'm not certainly not proposing uh, that way out, but I I do find it perplexing that uh, the the difficulty that some human beings endure is, is just simply remarkable, and yet they continue on that path. And God bless when there's their time to go home, obviously they're rewarded for their plight, but I'm amazed at the resilience of some human beings. Yeah, resilience. I I mean, this isn't the whole of the answer, but one thought I have is that it's actually very hard to kill yourself because coming away from the idea of the soul and the mind, the physical body will do everything it possibly can to survive won't it you know um so it's actually really hard to override that those inbuilt instincts and drives that want to keep you alive right um and i guess yes you know for you and i maybe maybe that wouldn't be such a big thing to overcome because we have a belief that there's something that comes after that's going to be infinitely better than this 
Mm. And of course, not everybody has that belief, do they? And sure. and a lot sure. of people I see that are suicidal, they're in such emotional pain that they just want it to end. And it, and it would actually be a horror for them to think that, well, okay, this physical life might end, but you're still going to find yourself conscious, you know, in consciousness somewhere right. else. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and that's true. The, uh, it changes everything if you're not 100% certain about what the next chapter holds. Yes. Now, this already gave me the 10-minute warning, my friend. Did we really go through 30 minutes already? Well, we did. You know me. Yeah. Why use one, th one word when 20 will do? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. So that tells you we, we must be having fun because time just flies. Okay, I had two other topics here in terms of drugs and moving on to music. So let's let's try to uh, just talk about drugs for a moment here. Okay. Well, look, it's okay for me. I've got plenty of time. So if 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 we need to come back on again to finish what we're discussing, that's fine. So don't feel you've got to rush rush through. Okay. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Uh, but let's segue into that. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. now um, I live in a world where. Uh, Basically, my conscious soul is navigating this energy in certain frequencies. Okay. I've got an artist that I love, Craig Finn, that wrote a line that says, isn't it funny how we all get by, but not the way that makes us laugh. Mm -hmm. So in my world, laughter is a frequency. Joy is yeah. a frequency. Depression, mm -hmm. anxiety, they're all different frequencies. And in my humble opinion, it seems to me as not a trained therapist that we're using drugs to try to escape the frequencies we don't like. And I'm hard pressed to believe that's a bad thing. Oh, you don't think that's a bad thing? Well, I don't know. It depends on their circumstances. I mean, I certainly can't blame somebody. Now, again, it's different types of drugs. I, I, I have a belief that alcohol is called spirits for a reason. I believe that particular drug takes you into the darkness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's other drugs that I believe may raise you into the light. So yeah. I guess what I want to know from you, and I'm going to sneak away just for a moment to blow my nose real quick, but if you could elaborate a little bit about your thought process, I know you've been ex experimenting with your clients in terms of uh, uh, drug use. So if you could expand a little bit about your thought process in terms of drugs and uh, uh, mental health. Yeah. And do, you want, right do you want me to wait? Do you want me to wait until you no, come no, back? No, no, talk. I'm just going to talk. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. I'll wait until you come back. Okay. 